0: everybody to the hockey think Tank podcast brought to you Hockeythinktank.com, a website for all players, parents and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today, going a little bit outside the box. And we are bringing on country music star Julia Cole. And Julia was a fantastic guest, and she was a volleyball player growing up. So a lot of talk about her journey in volleyball, but also her journey to become a country music star because It wasn't easy, just as becoming a really good hockey player and playing at the highest levels is not very easy as well. So a lot of parallels to both Jeff and I's career uh, that we got to talk about, some of the ups, some of the downs, and to hear her talk about some of the ways that that happened in the country music scene. Just really, really, really cool stuff. Julia has a new P.E a new EP out called Honey Child. Uh, she's an awesome country music singer, really tearing it up down in Nashville right now. She's got an awesome story uh, that we got to talk about. So before we do get over to Julia, though, let's bring on another awesome guy in Jeffrey Levecchio. Vex, what's going on today, my man?
1: Not much, bro. Sun shining, I'm happy. That's it. That's, <laughs> That's all, all you I got, got for me, huh? <laughs> That's all I got, man. Life's simple. Feeling this,
0: good, uh, this was a fun episode and uh, really, really excited that you got Julia to, to be able to come on the podcast. I mean, she's absolutely blowing up down in Nashville right now. And uh, you met her, was it at the NWHL All-Star Game that you met her when you were down there in Nashville?
1: Yeah, yeah. I was at the NWH All-Star, NWHL All-Star Game. Uh, was that last year? I guess it was last year. And uh, it was a set at the bar with some of the Veda boys, uh, Marv Dagon and uh, Rob Shrimp. 44 vision now um, check that out and uh, I think she was sitting at the table or a table next to us maybe I don't even know and um, just started talking to her and she's like oh I'm singing the, the national anthem at the game tomorrow or, and we just started talking she's like oh do you want to come to my my album release party and I was like album release party what who are you <laughs> and that sounds in, uh, big
0: time yeah <laughs>
1: yeah I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool I guess and then that, who we met at that party the next day I meet Ricky Mendez there who to this day I still say for all of people who are new to listen to our podcast I always say you got to listen to Matt Calderoni and Ricky Mendez first because no matter what pl- type of player you are if you're a parent player coach if you don't even like hockey Those two episodes will help everyone because they're more of the mental side of life. And so I met my boy Ricky Mendez there, who I'm still boys with today, at uh, Julia's party. And she's a great person, super, super energetic, like totally real. And uh, you feel the soul in her music, too. I like her music. So it's pretty cool to get her on here and kind of talk about all the different parallels between her sporting uh, life growing up, even though it wasn't hockey, there's still tons of parallels and then the grind she's had to go through to become, you know, what she's blown up into being here and uh, with country music.
0: Yeah. And she was just, she was awesome to talk to. I mean, her story's great. Um, and, and we always talk about how we just have a lot of respect for people who enjoy the grind. Like we have a lot of respect for people that work their way up from the bottom and like, I can't remember, but I feel like she didn't even know how to play guitar until she got to Nashville and she just like taught herself. And I I mean, it's just amazing the type of grit that comes with. I mean, you listen to the stories and stuff like musicians don't start at the top musicians aren't like granted like they have to work the bar scene and then they have to get a break and then they have to get connected to the right people and then they have to do a good job even more and like it's such a grind to make it to the top and and just it was such an inspiring story to hear how she was able to to accomplish that and you know we just have so much respect for people that enjoy that grind of it
1: love the grind i hate things given to me i like to earn them and i know you're (laughs) the same i know you're the same way and Sounds like she's the same way too. I think I think people are gonna like this one, and hopefully, people go listen to her music because, dude, she's got some bangers like Trust You, Unreal song, Priority, like, honey, some bangers, man. Like, she's a good singer.
0: Yeah, that's uh, is that ever come on in in Jeff Levickio's gym while the while the boys are going or what?
1: Sure, hundred percent, dude. I I throw the I throw my I was gonna say iPod. Wow, I would have dated myself there. <laughs> There's kids listening to this who have no idea what an iPod is, I bet. Uh, but yeah, dude, I throw my phone on shuffle sometimes. Unless I really need to get the boys going, then I'll throw on some ridiculous songs. Uh, we had we have Katy Perry Fridays going on right now. That always gets no the boys way. going. Oh, hey, There you oh, go. Yeah, it turns into a <laughs> dance party in between sets. But you know, got to keep it light with this weird. Muncie's year gotta love all- that. Oh God, t Bull is in there just booty dancing. And <laughs> oh yeah, that, that guy, he's unbelievable. Like, uh, um, we had, we had a camera, a camera crew come in and, and film, uh, the guys working out and then they're, they're on ice workout with Jamal Mears. um, like two weeks ago, and the camera guy just could not stop focusing on Tebow. He's like, this guy's gold. Uh, and before <laughs> he came in, I was like, you're going to want to focus on that guy. So, uh, yeah, Travis Turnbull always always makes my days more fun, that's for sure.
0: Oh, that is so funny. Well, you've come a long way, my man, in your music taste in, in the uh, gym. I remember hearing about fights that you and other people would have because you would want your, like <laughs> – Whatever death metal or whatever it was death, on and right,
1: everybody else death won. Metal, Punk rock, dude. Oh was. It was me and Jon <laughs> Stazzy. Me and Jon used to almost come to fist fights. But now guess what? It's my gym, so I play whatever the F I want. <laughs>
0: I love it. Well, good stuff. Well, we really appreciated Julia for coming on and and we encourage everybody to check out her new EP, Honey Child. Um, it's awesome for her to take the time to, to talk to us about her journey. Um, before we do get over to Julia, though, uh, we this is obviously Monday that this is coming out. So there's a couple more days before we have our Back to Hockey conference where a bunch of us are going to be speaking at. And I am really, really excited for this. It's a virtual comp- a virtual conference on August 19th to give anybody that wants, that's interested in hockey, whether you're a player, whether you're a parent, whether you're a coach, just some tangible things that you can use. In your year, whenever next year starts. (laughs) Hopefully, that's soon, but I have no idea. So, uh, our speakers are all high level hockey speakers that are going to provide you with um, just information that you can take into your year. So, we have Brian Kane coming on to talk about hockey habits. I'm going to talk about the college recruiting process. You got Jeff talking about why elite athletes are elite. One of the most, like, one of the most The questions that I get asked the most, honestly, probably the question I get asked the most is from girls hockey parents, and they're saying, when should my daughter – play just with the girls like what's their journey like to get up so we have Alyssa Gilardi who is unreal coming in to talk about the difference between playing girls hockey and boys hockey and, and she obviously had to make that decision so she's going to be awesome with that Matt Calderoni's coming to talk about the mental side of the game how you can get your focus narrowed and and so he was on our podcast like you said and, and did an awesome job so he's going to be speaking about that and then we have a nutritionist coming on as well Pearl Nuremberg and she's a performance nutritionist uh, to talk about uh just different ways and different foods that you should be eating to optimize your performance as an athlete and as a hockey player so again this this conference is is about giving you guys tangible things that you can use in your hockey careers, or if you're a parent, tangible things that you can help your kids to use throughout their hockey careers. So uh, if you're listening to this on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday morning, you can go to the hockeythinktank.com and go to the conferences tab and sign up for it today. Again, it's, it's, we didn't want this to be a long, drawn-out thing. It's just three hours, 7 to 10 o'clock Eastern at night, uh, speakers back to back to back to back. And we're very fortunate uh, to be sponsored by Power Player which is an unbelievable data feedback tool. And uh, I'm actually using it for our team this year uh, in Syracuse. Uh, we're going to be using it to test the kids and provide them feedback on on everything that they're doing. You can provide feedback on compete level. You can c- provide feedback on hockey sense. You can provide feedback on doing different drills throughout practice and timing them. So it's just great. It's always nice to have quantitative feedback for kids, not just the qualitative stuff of of what you see on the ice. So very, very fortunate to have them. Coming on as our title sponsor, we also have College Hockey News as a speaker sponsor, so they're sponsoring me, uh, having talking about the the college recruiting process. So thank you to Adam Woden and College Hockey News. Uh, they're for me the best website where I go for all of my information on college hockey, and I'm literally glued to the app <laughs> during the season, checking out scores and stats and stuff like that. Gelsticks has come on uh, as a speaker sponsor as well. They're they're sponsoring uh, Alyssa Gallardi and in in gags talking about girls versus boys hockey um so just thank you to to them for for hopping on board thank you to everybody that's signed up already like i said go to the hockey and sign up today if you haven't yet yeah, it's going to be awesome jeff will be on there so you can hear hear the man the myth the legend talk
1: and my shirt will be on for this one
0: <laughs> that's too bad
1: most likely might tear it off <laughs> Hulk Hogan style to start the presentation. Let's go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would be unreal. And I'm also, not... I think people would believe you would do that as well. Yeah. So it would not be out yeah. of
1: character. They absolutely would. And when, when quarantine ended and I was able to open my gym to uh, to the non pros because I was able to train pros during some quarantine, the first day a kid goes, hey, you're gonna to want to film me walking in, and I was like, "What?" and I like didn't even like pay attention to his text. And he walks in, and he's like, "We're back!" And he had it on like a crappy like Walmart white t-shirt, and he just grabbed it and just tore it off. And he's like, well, "We're <laughs> back! Let's go!" I Absolutely loved it. It was unreal. He obviously had another shirt in his bag, but it was, uh, yeah, yeah, love it, love it. Very so my cool. Show, be honest, Very cool story. Yeah.
0: So. We got an awesome list of speakers. Uh, you can sign up for it today, and uh, I don't even know if I mentioned Brian Kane talking about hockey habits. So. Cainer, as you know, one of the most downloaded podcasts that we have on uh on our podcast and, and he's gonna talk about hockey habits and just such a smart hockey guy. So I'm looking forward to listening to that. I think he's gonna be awesome for any coaches or players out there that want to leg up in, in what you're doing on the ice. So uh just very, very excited for that. Sign up for it today. And uh, we want to thank obviously Gel Sticks, our title sponsor, for continuing to support us on this podcast. Wanna thank Train Heroic, Jeff's training app. Uh, so download the train heroic app and download either one of Jeff's four or five workouts that he has four of them being, uh, you know, actual workouts and one of them being a hot mom's workout. So not that that's not an actual workout, but just, uh, maybe a little different than the, uh, the other ones. So. (laughs) <laughs> um and then uh you know thank you to all of our listeners you continue to support our podcast and we so appreciate the support that we get from you guys we're trying to get better every day so um we were we continue to enjoy doing this it's it's certainly not easy to to coordinate schedules and do this every week but we want to make sure that we provide some awesome content for you guys and this is going to be a great one certainly a different one but a great one with country music singer julia cole so without further ado let's let's head it on over to julia cole we are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast from the great city of nashville tennessee julia cole recording artist my favorite kind of music country music so julia thanks for coming on here today to talk a little bit of sports talk a little bit of life with us
2: of course. Thanks for having
0: me on. Yeah, you bet. You bet. So you grew up in uh, in Houston, Texas, and a uh, very, very proud city down there. And uh, first question we want to ask you what we do with a lot of our guests, we want to take it way back and just kind of ask you how you got involved in in sports. You know, was it something that your family was uh, always involved in? You've, you were a great volleyball player. Um, is that something that your family did or did you have some other influences around there that got you into the sport?
2: My family is super involved in athletics. My dad, the ongoing joke is that he wanted sons and ended up with three daughters. Poor guy. He had (laughs) two sisters and three daughters, no brothers, no sons. I know. I know. And he's like a six, five athletic. He played baseball at UL. He's a pitcher. Like he is that guy and he ended up with all girls and he's the best ever. It's, it's an ongoing joke because he's, seriously the best dad to all of us girls that any dad could possibly be but we definitely were brought up with the mentality that you know sports are life like we never did dance we never did cheer we never did anything like that any of us
1: was that was he pushing you into certain sports or did you choose the sports you liked how did that work
2: You know, looking back on it, I wouldn't say that my parents ever really pushed us into one specific sport, but they definitely steered us away from certain sports. Like there are some things that I never even participated in and it wasn't because I didn't want to. It was just my parents didn't, you know, sign me up for it when I was little. And then we were so busy with the sports we were doing that we never even tried some of them. So like I did, I think starting out the first sport I think I did was soccer, and I did that for like 10 or 11 years. I played basketball for almost the same amount of time. Cause you can start those two sports pretty young. And then once you get into middle school, you start getting more options of track and field, cross country, volleyball. I didn't start volleyball until I was in you know seventh grade. And I did tennis in middle school just for fun. Cause I wanted to see if I could play a sport in every season. <laughs> And, um, we, we started out with those, but I never did swim team. I never played softball and, um, lacrosse really wasn't big in Houston. So I, you know, I never did that and I'm trying to think of, you know, what else I feel like would have been really fun that I never really participated in, but yeah, it was, it was kind of like, we were steered towards, soccer team sports basketball. team sports yeah I mean they would have let us I mean track I guess track the team sport but we did a lot of individual races as well um and my little sister runs track and cross country at Duke so she's she's super into that but is that I good know, is that a good school <laughs> never, say, never heard of it <laughs> <laughs> my dad definitely was not happy when I picked volleyball as my favorite sport though why is that I think he was just super opposed to the spandex. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That didn't even pop in my head.
2: I'm dead serious.
1: (laughs) Hey, why, why, let's go into that. Why do they? they, why is that the uniform? That is, I mean, I'm not complaining as a male, but that is a (laughs) ridiculous uniform.
2: You know, I'm not going to lie. That has come up in conversation every year.
1: Aerodynamics or what?
2: And the thing is, is that there are men's volleyball teams and they don't wear spandex. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you can't really justify it. Cause you know, what people would argue was, okay, when you're diving on the court, you don't want your pants to be pulled off. So you need something super tight to your skin. But my dad's argument to that was, okay, well, why aren't they longer? (laughs) You know? So there really isn't a good reason for it. And then I can't explain why it gets even skimpier when you play sand and beach volleyball, because then it's bikinis. Um, but that's the uniform and it is what it is. I mean, it's the same with track. There's not really a reason that track uniforms are basically like bikinis, but they are. So, right. I don't know.
1: Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would, if you have two daughters, are they going to play volleyball because of the shorts or what?
2: No, they're, they're not going to play
0: volleyball because they have mine and my wife's genetics and they're going to be four foot 11. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, that could be a libero. That could be that's libero. true.
0: That is true. That is true. Well, that's cool. And and I know that volleyball is a a huge passion of yours and and you got to play volleyball in college at Vanderbilt. So talk to us a little bit about that process of getting to Vanderbilt as a, as a college athlete and, and what your experience was like there.
2: So Vandy isn't, our volleyball team's not a D1 team. And I talked to some other schools that are D1 about playing on their teams and you know went and met the coaches and toured the locker rooms and was supposed to play I had you know offers I could play at a few different schools but the reason I wanted to be at Vanderbilt so bad was because it was on music row in the middle of Nashville Tennessee and it was in the SEC so I knew for everything else like I was going to get to go to those events and have a the real college experience and I kind of knew at that time like I'm not going to go be a professional volleyball player so I wasn't going to change my academic path for my athletic path you know and it was really fun my teammates are still some of my favorite people on the planet and um, it was really fun but it was definitely just my excuse of getting the music row.
1: so that we talk about that type of stuff on the on the podcast all the time like youth sports they give you a window and they give you the opportunity to to go do what you want to do it doesn't mean that you're not succeeding if you don't play for the best D1 team or the best D2 or D3 team. Like you can use sports to help you get to wherever you want to be in life while learning all the life lessons that make you a better person and stuff. So that's like really cool that you chose that. And in hockey, kids are so focused on just like, I got to go to the best schools. I got to do this. And you got to do what's best for you and what you want to do the rest of your life too. So that's pretty sick. For,
2: I mean, that's one of the things that I talk about a lot with, female athletics and trying to promote women's athletics because one of the big issues is there really isn't an end game for most female sports no matter how good you are even if you make it to the olympics it's like monetarily that's still not really going to sustain you for the rest of your life it's not really a career path for most people i mean obviously like there is a there are a, a small group of women who've managed to make that their entire livelihood, but it's not the same as the opportunity in men's athletics where there are actually so many organized sports programs that have income that you can be guaranteed. And there are players unions in place to make sure they're getting paid properly and all sorts of things like that. Um, So hopefully with, within the next, you know, 50 years, there can be more. I heard, I heard recently, I think there's going to be an indoor volleyball league in America, like a pro indoor women's volleyball league starting up. So it's in the right, it's going in the right direction. It's just moving slowly.
0: That's okay. It's the same thing in hockey. I mean, the women in hockey are doing such a fantastic job of, of trying to drive that professional league. And there's so many road bumps along the way and trying to get there and uh, it's still getting figured out. Hopefully it gets figured out here soon. I, I know they're working hard. Um, but the the one thing I wanted to ask you kind of goes along with that, like so. You went to to Vanderbilt to pursue uh, you know a career in in music, and one thing that Jeff and I love to talk about is is passion. And it's very, very clear from hearing your music, very clear hearing your story that you are very, very passionate, not just about music, but about empowering people. Um, so I wanted to ask you, where did that passion come from? Because a lot of your music, it's not just like empty words. A lot of your music has, has meaning. A lot of your music, there's underlying things that can help us in life and things like that. So I wanted to know kind of like what your inspiration was when it comes to, to your music and how you go through that process.
2: I think it's one of the biggest reasons that country music is the genre that's my favorite and that I'm, you know, living in. The lyrics are so important. I mean, it's storytelling and it's honest. You don't hear country songs that are made up or are dishonest or are just wasted space because the beat is cool. Like it's, it's so much different than other other genres and I'm not saying that there aren't other genres with songs like that but country music is like that's the pinnacle like if your lyrics and the message isn't there people don't even give the song the time of day which I absolutely love um I mean my inspiration I did originally start out just loving I mean I grew up not knowing the music industry existed like I was sports 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 all the time and I didn't really start singing until my volleyball and basketball coaches asked me to do the national anthems for my own volleyball and basketball games, so I'd be in uniform, I'd go sing, <laughs> and then I'd go back on the court. And that's awesome! That's, that's unreal. unreal. How it started, and then while I was in high school, I started getting asked to sing for the Texans, Astros, Houston Dynamo, NASA, the rodeo, all those things. So it really did all start from that. But I do remember growing up thinking it was so fun to listen to incredible vocalists like Kelly Clarkson, Carrie Underwood, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, Gary Levox from Rascal Flatts, like listen to their vocals and just try to copy them. Like it was like a challenge. Like I remember that one of these uh, Kelly Clarkson songs was Miss Independent, it was like the first one she put out after American Idol. And she like did all these runs And I just remember sitting there like replaying it over and over and over and just trying to do it every like over and over and over and finally I think I did it and I was just like that was so fun, you know, it was more of just like a fun challenge because I knew I could kind of sing but I wasn't trying to be a singer if that makes sense
1: so like it sounds so much like how athletes look at sports like you know, watch a game you watch, same thing. Yeah. you watch a game and you watch youtube and like Toph does all this stuff on twitter like he, he kills it on twitter with the, the videos he puts out and like you learn from it and then you go try it and then you look at it again i'll try and get better do you think that being an athlete first kind of taught you that mentality and you brought that into how you approach music or is that something you never thought about or
2: a hundred percent that's definitely played an An enormous impact on you know what I've been able to do in the amount of time that I've been in Nashville because I kind of started behind you know I got to Nashville and didn't know anything and I showed up in this town where there's a ton of people who grew up here who have family members in the music industry or who have been trying to be a star since they were 10 years old you know like it was a completely different path for me I moved to Nashville I was 18 and I picked up guitar when I was 18. You know, I've what? played piano since I was little. I started piano oh. when I was like five because my mom made me take lessons, but I hated it, it was classical piano and whatever. So yes, that was my uh, ground of like, I felt like I was really starting from behind, but because of athletics mm-hmm. I, I'd already lived starting from behind and still passing people up. Like in middle school, for example, there were girls who had been playing volleyball on club select teams for two to three years before I even started like playing there. And, and this is, you know, in your first couple of years of playing a sport and your first couple of years of being in really any like career, you're not going to know what's going on. So there's a lot of ground to cover. And what ended up happening were some of these girls who were the absolute best in seventh grade because they had played for a couple of years. They ended up dropping out by freshman sophomore year because they got passed up. They you know, didn't work as hard, whatever it was. And I remember all those girls being just like shocked because I was like, you know, new kid on the block. I didn't do anything. Seventh grade, I was just. I wasn't super tall. I mean, I'm five, nine. I was the shortest one on my club team in high school. Like other than one girl, our libero, our libero was shorter than me, but even our setter was taller than me. I
0: know how you feel. I know how you feel. And and I'm, I'm
2: (laughs) I'm not even short. It's not like I was just good at volleyball because of my height or something like that. It took a lot of work. And I started club volleyball my freshman year of high school And I made the varsity team at my high school by sophomore year. And some of those girls who were the absolute best kicking my butt in seventh grade, weren't even playing anymore. So that definitely was a huge, like, I don't know, mental check of like, okay, you did it there. You can do it in music too. You can start from behind, work hard. You'll still be okay.
0: Absolutely. I mean, one thing that I really feel like is a, really commonality, really commonality, a big commonality between between I um, went to Cornell <laughs> between, I do words good um, uh, one thing is a big commonality, I feel like between kind of like professional sports and professional music is a lot of times um, the talent gets emphasized and not the grind, but at the end of the day, the people who are at the top of their profession, very few are there on talent alone. They, they have talent, yes, but it's also the grind that gets you there. So that's one of the things I wanted to ask you, because especially in the country music industry, that has to be talked about the first two or three years, you're just kind of trying to figure it out. So for you, what were those two or three years like? Was it pretty tough? And, and uh, what were some of the highs and lows that you had to go through to get to where you are today?
2: It was definitely not easy, but it was really fun. So I'm not going to pretend like I wasn't enjoying myself. Also, I was in college, so having a great time, like it was still really fun. (laughs) I was interning as many places as I could. I was any person I met that was in the music industry. I was like, can we go to lunch? Can I buy you a coffee? Can I do this? Just trying to pick their brain and learn anything I could. I signed up for and played every free writer's round like performance. I went and performed for free everywhere that would let me for years just to learn how to do it you know because if, like I said I didn't play guitar really yet so all those shows I was kind of banging around on a keyboard a little bit and then would like try to maybe do one or two songs on the guitar and then gradually was able to do more and more on guitar and if I hadn't been doing all of those shows I would never have been able to get comfortable playing guitar on stage in front of people because I was playing shows where nobody really cared if I did well or not, you know? And there were these free writers rounds, like basically like open mic nights for songwriters. And it's, it's a lot of work. I mean, there's photos of me. I'm carrying my keyboard in like a golf bag on my back that my dad gave me. I've got the keyboard stand under this arm. I've got my guitar in a backpack on this arm. So I've got like two instruments, a stand, and I'm like trying to hit an elevator button. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's just an absolute mess, but <laughs> I did it, you know, I kept doing that for years. And if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't be where I am today. So yeah, some of the the low points, I mean, stuff's not easy, but the grind, like, I can handle that. The stuff that gets harder for me is dealing with, um, I guess like there's so much, well, once I got to a certain point where I was signed to CAA and I was with BMI and I was I had a, a manager, Ansel Davis, and I was with, um, like there were just all these different companies that I was like already working with. Then you, st- you have to start to deal with and learn about how much turnover there is in the music industry and you like think that you're you think you have it set up you think you have a team and then in the blink of an eye everything's gone and it's like not even under your control like for example one of my first agents at CAA within like 2 months of me signing with CAA he got let go and like luckily i had another champion there that like took me on and was still pushing for me but my main, like, RA was gone, and had nothing to do with me. It was just the company let him go. And then the first manager I had, he had myself and he had Hunter Hayes, and um, I was with him for two years. And at a certain point, Hunter left him, which was his main, you know, source of income for that management company, and so you know, I shortly after left. And then after I left the the company kind of folded and it was like, turnover like that, you didn't see coming because he had, you know, when I first was with that company, it was like, he has this amazing artist, this amazing day-to-day manager. While I was there, there were three different day-to-day managers that I had to completely like reteach everything about how to help me. You know, it was like, because whenever someone starts helping you in your career, you have to really fill them in on a lot of things. And it takes It's the same as having a new employee at your company. They aren't just going to hit the ground running and know how to help. Like you have to teach them. It takes time. It takes effort to like make sure that they know how to do things correctly and help you. There's so much turnover in my management world. And then over at BMI, my main rep, my main guy who was helping me out with everything, booking me for the shows, sending my stuff to publishers, doing all this stuff. He got let go from BMI. And it was like, just this, it was like all those things happened like relatively close to each other. And it's like, you can have a whole team and then all of a sudden it's gone.
1: So what and do you do then?
2: I guess how I, how I got through those things, I mean, you just have to figure it out. There's not really like a, an answer to it. It's just like, you can't give up. You can't feel sorry, sorry for yourself. You have to just be like, okay, this is the new reality. I built the whole team once, I can build it again, you know?
0: Absolutely. It's just like controlling the things you can control. I think that's another thing that is such like a parallel between music and and sports, just hearing you talk, is there's so many things that you have no control over. And your attitude, your work ethic, and and the way that you view whatever situation is going on. Um, Because, again, at the end of the day, like, if you want to be great at something, it it ain't easy. (laughs) It's it's really, really hard. And there's going to be a lot of bumps along the way. So, you know, I I can't imagine in in your situation, just with all the turnover and everything that was going on, like, how hard was it to, to try and just focus on the things that, you know, you can control?
2: That is one of the things that I definitely, I'm friends with a ton of athletes and that's one of the, there's pros and cons to my world versus the sports world. One, the music industry doesn't have this set up infrastructure for how to get to the top of your field. So like if you're a baseball player, for example, you start out in Little League, then you play on this team, then you play your club team, your high school team. Hopefully you get... Uh, recruited to to play in college, or you get drafted at a high school, Um, regardless, you go to college, whatever, then you hope to get drafted. And then if you get drafted, you go through this minor league system. And that was one of the craziest things that I was learning when I took a bunch of those people to lunch that I was meeting when I first got to Nashville. There isn't a set path. So you don't really know what's the most important thing to do next. You're just trying to throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Obviously, you need your music to be good. You have to have great songs, you have to have great talent, whether that's your instrument or your vocals, whatever. In sports, it's really set. It's like perform, perform, perform. If you work really hard at your position, at your skill set, keep doing that well, that's what's gonna get you to the next level. There's a bunch of statistics that they will look at and decide, did you perform well enough to help this team or not? Music's not like that, it's super subjective. There are people who can't hardly sing at all that are massive superstars. And that's what's so weird in a, in a huge difference between the sports world and the music world. And has been it was kind of hard for me to stomach at first because I'm like, shouldn't this get you there? You know, shouldn't X get you to the next place if you're better than all the other people doing the same thing? And it's just super subjective. It's who you know and it's, did something just catch? Like, did something just blow up and go viral and it had nothing to do with you just, because it was, because the video that it was on or did it happen to make it into a TV show or movie that blew it up or an Apple commercial or like, it's just complete, it's not complete luck, but it's a lot more luck than in athletics where you can kind of prove yourself. Yeah, that that makes... One of the things that I was like, huh, I have to figure this out.
0: <laughs> yeah it, one of the things that Jeff and I talk about all the time when it comes to like trying to figure that stuff out is 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 like the importance of having really really good mentors and having people that can can show you the way, especially in the business and you know you've gotten the chance to meet a lot of really good people um open up for some really good people too. Is there one or two mentors that you have that really you know, was able to help you through the crazy crap and through the, you know, through the tough times. Whether it was conversations, whether that was somebody that you just watched how they did their business uh, or anything like that, did you have pretty good mentors there in, in Nashville to help you steer through the process?
2: The list is pretty long of, of mentors that I have, but the number one mentor easily was Laurie White. Um, she was my publisher. And, uh, you know, we were talking about earlier, the the uncontrollable turnover of certain things. She was my publisher and she was diagnosed with cancer in September of 2018 and passed away in January of 2019. And it happened like that. But she was absolutely my, like sounding board for every idea I had. She had been through it all. You know, she produced Toby Keith. She had written songs for a ton of people. She had multiple top 20 hits as an artist herself. She'd had record deals. She'd had publishing deals. She had done all the things that I was trying to do. And she gave me all the advice that she could. And I remember probably my favorite advice she gave me was, there are no wrong answers or no, there are no wrong decisions just the decisions that you make and how you handle them. love that. Because it's like, you know, I was, she was helping me when I was picking between a few different managers. And when I was picking between um, different agencies and she was like, you know, pick the one that your gut's telling you to go with and then make that situation. Right. So like, if that ends up being a, a bad like a spot for you to be in three months from now or one year from now then we'll make another new decision and that's to go this way or this way or pivot it's not going to be a regret the last decision you made you know because there's no way to know
1: it's so important too and I, I talk to kids about that all the time like there's no right or wrong answer, no matter what. It's just making the best of any situation. And when we had one of our mutual friends on this podcast, Ricky Mendez, who I love, I'm sure he'll listen to this. What's up, Ricky? Um, and uh, a lot of people got so much out of that episode because he's all about that stuff. Like whatever you whatever you decide, then run away with it. And, and if something bad happens to you, it's not a setback. It's a setup for the next thing. You can learn from it. And it sounds so much like Toph is saying the parallels between music industry and, and professional sports or just sports in general. Just so many things you're saying and, and learning. And uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, do you feel like music made you a better athlete or, or or like the skill part of it or the skills of being an athlete made you a better musician, like hand-eye coordination and stuff? Because obviously I, I own a training company and I'm really into like thinking outside the box. Like playing, I tried to play piano one year pro in the summer. And I almost threw the piano out the window. I oh couldn't do it. Oh my god! I would it was have paid, so bad, dude. I would
0: have paid large amounts of money to try and see Thank that,
1: you. dude. I went like six times. I went like see, six times, here. and I was like, I can't do this. Ju- Julia, here,
0: I, I'm gonna. I, you, nobody that's listening to this podcast can see that, but I can see Jeff doing the piano like without sleeves or a shirt, <laughs> on. Like, just like this, just like trying to flex, you know. <laughs> Like, so not even being like, you know, really cool 100%. with the, with the keys and being I'm going, suave.
2: I'm going about 30 seconds before being so frustrated he wanted to throw the keys. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's Thanks like, guys. like a two week process. This happens quickly.
1: <laughs> You're making me feel good about myself. Thanks guys. <laughs> But honest question though, because I know a lot of athletes that in their pro athletes in their spare time, pick up guitar, pick up the keyboard. I don't really know any guys who tell me they take singing lessons, but I I think that work in that kind of brain will help in other arenas. So what are your thoughts on
2: that? I think it's really healthy to have another creative outlet. So if you're an athlete, having something else that you can kind of focus your your mental capacity on for X number of minutes can really help you take a break from what you're really focused on. And it's the same vice versa. Like I'm thinking about music and I'm thinking about my company, like a hundred percent of the time I need to have that break every once in a while. Like yesterday I went and peppered in the park, just played volleyball with one of my friends and was just peppering back and forth for a while. And guess what? The entire time I was doing that, none of the to-do list that's never ending for my company was on my mind. And I think it's just kind of healthy to have that extra distraction that still feels productive. Like you don't feel like you're wasting time. It's not the same thing as watching a TV show or something mindless. It's like it's something you really enjoy, but you're also still working a different part of your brain.
1: Like that makes total sense. Yeah, so, did you play? Did you play any instruments? You didn't play any. Did. I played, oh, you the played
0: drums. drums. Yeah, you yeah. played drums. Yeah, hey, hey, you, you did. What's up? A, I wouldn't say I was good at them. I had them and like to beat up on them a little bit. But we
2: have a whole band right <laughs> here,
1: except we might <laughs> triangle. No, just, I'll be just the tambourine the cow, guy. No, you're the cowbell guy. Cowbell, <laughs> exactly. I'll wear Will Ferrell's outfit too.
0: <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, you talk about the creative process, Julia, and that's something like for me. I, I like to write. Um, it's some, it's something I'm figuring out It's not so much of a creative thing. Like you have to, if you want to be good at it, you have to put a lot of work into it. It's not just something that you can like sit down at with a journal and a pen or sit down at a computer and just go. Um, So somebody who is a, a very accomplished songwriter, what is that creative process like for you? Especially, I think it's really cool because you want your music to mean something, you know, you want your music to, you want, I was even looking at your website and the quote that you have on there is if my music helps even one person feel included, empowered, or understood, then this crazy journey is all worth it, which I think is awesome. I'm going to put that like on my desk in a frame. Um, but, uh, so what's, what's that creative process like for you to get inspired or just to, I mean, is it more of a work thing? Is it more of an inspiration thing? How do you go about
2: it? So there are kind of two separate parts of it for me. One is the more regimented act of co-writing. We have scheduled co-writes with, you know, one to two or three extra people, depending on, you know, who you're with that day. And everyone usually has a different skill set. So like maybe one person's really good at lyrics. One person's really good at melodies. One person's really good at like instruments and building a a track or finding a cool progression that's a little bit out of the norm. And so you try to kind of build your co-writing sessions that way where you have the diversity of skill sets to help make the song the best it can be. But none of that matters if the idea isn't there. Like if there's not something that everyone's on the same page about and working towards creating, nobody knows which direction to go. So the other part of it is just this, this database of ideas that I have that's like, I mean, a thousand notes long. And that's the part that just, that I can't really explain because the ideas will come out of nowhere. I'll be on a run and I'll have to stop and like voice record something in my phone It's like, it's stuff like that. It happens when you don't expect it. I'll be in the shower or I'll wake up in the middle of the night and be like, I really don't want to go get my phone and write this down, but I have to. It's like, it's that kind of thing where the ideas that just show up, you're like, you have to record them or document them. And that's what you bring into the co-writing session and kind of marry the two together. But I don't really think either one of them necessarily stands by themselves. I've written a few songs by myself Um, but the co-writing world is definitely Nashville's norm.
1: That's, that's, that's crazy. I would never like, all right, today I'm going to write a song about blank. (laughs) I would not know where to start. It
2: does happen that way though. Like if nobody, or if we do all come in with ideas, but we end up getting on a topic of conversation of, something that's just really like weighing heavy on somebody's heart that day or something that's just really prevalent in everyone's world like obviously right now a lot of songs are coming out about the this end of the world feeling that everybody's kind of touching on with the the coronavirus and everything um that will be the morning where everybody's sitting in the co-write and they're like you know what toss all the ideas that we already have to the side we'll write those another day today we're writing about, you know, this. And it can happen both ways, but it's, you kind of have to be ready for whichever way inspiration is going to take you that morning because you just don't know. Or that night, you know.
1: A lot of teamwork, it sounds like.
2: A lot of times it's hard to write about things that are super, like, deep or important to you, or it's hard to write them yourself because, one, I mean, I know when I was trying to write a song about Lauri after she passed away. It's like I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it for two, like two years. And then finally I just wrote one with and I and it's also real like I, that certain things you get touchy about who you write them with. It's like really important to you who's in the room and like I wasn't gonna just bring that into anybody. and so I ended up just writing that with her her husband, Chuck Cannon. He's an amazing songwriter and I told him I was like, I can't write this with anybody else, but I have this idea. And, you know, that, that idea, it it took me two years to write that, you know, and some songs, for instance, White Pearls, the one that I just released, I wrote that one. my mom asked me if I wanted to write my grandma a song for her 75th birthday and she had a liver transplant at 52. So it was a huge miracle that she was celebrating her 75th birthday and this was in January, and I wrote the song in December, and I was sitting by myself on the floor in the living room of my parents' house in Houston, and I just was like, okay, how am I going to write something about Maudie that's even close to, uh, you know, half as special as she is, and my mom just started kind of telling me some things about her that she remembered or she loved, and uh, one of the things she mentioned was she always wears white pearls, and I was like, okay, well, that'll be my my starting point and so I started to kind of jot down ideas and then I honestly feel like I blacked out like I cannot explain to you how I wrote the rest of the song but it was like all of a sudden I had written the song and obviously it's all about my grandma but it just also like it all came together so perfectly in this order that you would have thought Like in a bunch of other songs I've written, it took me like 20 drafts to get it to this clean of a layout. But that one, it just like came out in order, clean, perfectly. And I was, I mean, I only had to rewrite the second verse once. And that's, so you just, it's super different for every song.
1: Do you think there's like some way for you to obviously that th- these couple songs you're talking about it's their they're, emotion- they're super emotional songs but is there something that you do to try and get in like a flow state like i don't know if like a lot of athletes now are talking to sports psychologists or trying to find a way to get into that best state when they're playing and things like that do musicians do that too or is that not a thing
2: you definitely do but i haven't figured out the way to like guarantee it you know it's like you know when you're in it
0: <laughs> you'd be you'd be making millions of dollars doing something else teaching people it if we yeah, if anybody exactly. figured it out right <laughs>
2: exactly exactly <laughs>
0: Oh, that's awesome. Well, well, Julia, you know, while we have you on here, one of the things that I wanted to talk about and we wanted to talk about with you um, that I know you're passionate about is, is women in sports. And you're part of a, a group, Women's Sports Social, saw that on, on social media. Um, so I wanted to have a little bit of a conversation with you about that and, and empowering women in a sports setting. So first question I have, what, what actually is Women's Sports Social and, and what, what's kind of the mission that, that they do?
2: So Women's Sports Social is a social media movement that I started with my little sister, Emily, and uh, it mainly is a platform for women to talk about how important athletics has been to them, no matter how old they are, no matter how long they played, what level they got to, it's a platform for any woman who feels like athletics was a big part of their life to have a platform to talk about it. And it's because I realized that women in particular have a much harder time taking credit for being an athlete if they've been out of the sport for a year or they don't feel like they played at a high enough level. And that's one of the things that I really wanted to combat because I knew these girls in college who were, you know, incredible D1 athletes. And then college ends and they all just like quit talking about it as if it never even happened. Like they don't associate themselves. Like it's on their, their social media. It's like, And it's because women sometimes feel like they have to be overqualified to claim that they're qualified for something. And, you know, you'll be two years out of a sport and someone will be like, oh, I haven't played in two years. Like, I'm not good anymore. I'm not good. But you'll see some men on, you know, with their beer bellies at 65 talking about their high school football glory days. It's just a complete different mentality. So I was kind of trying to open up the door for some women to still claim ownership of their athleticism. And their past, their upbringing, being so involved with sports. Because for a lot of us, it was thousands of hours of our lives that all of a sudden you just can't claim anymore, Um, which is obviously false. Like you totally can. You're still an athlete, even if you haven't been in organized athletics for the last X number of years. So it started out that way. And then I noticed all of these incredible women who are, Massive in pop culture, that were highly involved in athletics that people don't even know about. For example, Britney Spears was point guard of her basketball team. Gigi Hadid was captain of her volleyball team. Ellen DeGeneres was amazing at tennis. Cheryl Crow was an all-state track athlete. Avril Lavigne was amazing at ice hockey. I mean, all of these people who are so high up in their fields, whether it's modeling or music or being a television host or personality. I really do think they got so many of their skill sets of discipline, work ethic, handling constructive criticism, how to be a leader. Like they got a lot of these things from growing up in athletics.
0: Amen. <laughs> uh, it's, it's such a good point. And, and, you know, I've, We, as a podcast, I mean, we don't, honestly, Jeff, do a good enough job of bringing enough women on here. Our our ratio is, is way too much men to women. I think a lot of that is because we... No more men that are involved in it, but it's still no no excuse. But I've been really interested in in this now. Now I have two daughters. Um, they're young, but still, when you have daughters, it probably like your dad way back in the day. It's like you think about things a little bit differently. And and so you know, if you had any advice for any girls, because sometimes there is a barrier to entry into sports for women because of some of the reasons that you stated, you know, earlier. If you had some advice for some young girls that that might be, um, hesitant to join a sport, or if you are in a sport hesitant to really put your all into it because they're not sure what the, the end is going to look like type of stuff. What, um, you know, what kind of advice would you have for those, those women?
2: Well, the first advice I'd have for really anybody, female or male is there, I've been hosting these colting quarantine series, where I bring on people similar to this, but it's been on Instagram Live, where I bring on people to talk about their stories or perform if they're musicians. I had on Katie Sowers recently. She is the female offensive assistant coach for the 49ers. Oh, yeah. The first female NFL coach to coach in a Super Bowl. And she just tells the most inspirational story of how she went from I mean, yeah, it's difficult for all of us that are in fields that don't have necessarily a professional women's outlet here in America, or even if there is one, it's barely paid. She didn't even have football in middle school or high school that she was allowed to play. And she said, I'll never forget, she was talking about how she, like she and her twin sister just love football so much. And they would always go scrimmage with with, uh, their boy neighbors in the parking lot or the street. And um, she was like, whenever we got to middle school, I remember one of the kids who was my neighbor, I taught him how to throw the football. I taught him everything he knows about football. And he came home with a football jersey one day. And that's when I realized how unfair this situation was, because she was never going to get to do that. You know, there were no female teams. And so it's listening to how people like that went from the most daunting of future prospects for her world and at being a, f- a female in football to how she got to the top. It's listening to those success stories and realizing that it's attainable no matter what it is. If you put your mind towards it, you can do it. So, and that's kind of what it was like for me too. In the in the female world for country music, I mean, it's less than it's like 13% female vocals on country radio right now. And that's including little big town, which is male and female and Sugarland, which is male and female. And, you know, it was like Van Perry, whatever, but there are like so few solo females. Wow. Then you see the ones that do break and you're like, okay, well, it's obviously possible. Obviously it's hard, but it's possible. So I think like looking at those case studies of people who've overcome odds, that's really helpful for me. And I think it'd be really helpful for anyone who's trying to get into athletics or get into a career field they might be intimidated of. And then my second piece of advice would be, like we were talking about earlier, having, having those mentors. So trying to find people, whether they're male or female, but having those people who've been in some, somewhat of a situation that they can look into and or that they can explain to you and you can kind of feed off of
0: yeah for sure hey Julia have you ever heard um so Muffet McGraw the basketball coach uh, the women's basketball coach for Notre Dame have you ever heard her like passionate speech about what we're talking about right now
2: Oh, no, I can't. Okay,
0: look. you got to look it up. So as as you were talking and, and saying this stuff, like that's right what came to my mind. And uh, I'm going to read it. I found the text of it. So she says, I'm getting tired of the novelty of it. The first female governor of this state, the first female African-American mayor of this city. When is it going to become the norm instead of the exception? How are these young women looking up and seeing someone that looks like them preparing for the future? We don't have enough female role models. We don't have enough visible women leaders. We don't have enough women in power. And it's so true. You talk about the mentorship side of it. Once we start to get there and hopefully that's sooner rather than later, I think that's such a big thing of little girls seeing people like you and seeing people at the top of industries being recognized for being at the top of their industries right. and now that end result like they have something tangible that they feel like they can get to instead of always feeling like they have to be a minority and have to pave the path exactly. to, to be able to do that so I think the the work that you're doing with the women empowerment in sports I mean it's my daughters are going to better benefit from that they're three and and eight months old right now but you know I I look at the world of what I hope it's going to be you know when when they get to be of age where they start to think about those kinds of things and uh, I appreciate what you're doing and just that 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 Muffet McGraw you got to go look that up on YouTube it like it'll give you chills.
2: I'm excited too.
1: (laughs) Yeah yeah. Very cool. Thank you Julie I appreciate you coming on and um, if you want to tell people where they can find you and your social media and Your new album and all that stuff and get people more people listening to you. Let's go.
2: (laughs) Well, thank y'all so much for having me. My socials are all at Julia Cole Music. I'm the most active on Instagram, but I also have Twitter and Facebook, Snapchat, YouTube, I mean all the social media all of them. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, um, I would definitely say Instagram is my favorite and I respond to Everybody, I try to respond to everybody on my Instagram if I can. Like I, I just sit there. Oh, honestly, I'll get on the treadmill sometimes and just respond and just walk <laughs> as soon as I have to respond to. But I would love to connect with any of you. Website's juliacolemusic.com and the project that just came out that I hope you guys like. It's got the female empowerment single on it, Honey Child. It's the Honey Child EP, and it's available everywhere on all streaming platforms.
0: Hey, hey, Jeff. On a uh, on a scale of one to ten. Ten being it doesn't affect me at all, and ten being just like really rattled. Like, how jealous are you of Julia's Instagram following numbers?
1: <laughs> I've been Instagram for like a year and a half. Take it easy. All right, take it easy. See,
2: he's throwing that keyboard through the window, right? Now. Yeah.
1: take it ace. The keyboard is gone. Hey, if I help one person, to hope, I don't care. Oh, I know.
0: I know that, but. Uh, you home. know just saying <laughs> well, no, it's julia,
2: cool. well i'm have... a follower so there you go <laughs> <laughs> there you
0: go booyah topes suck it <laughs> i like it well julia this has been awesome thanks so much for taking the time to come on and, and speak with us here today and, and uh best of luck down there in Nashville.